1: And now, a reading from the Gospel according to John, chapter 14, verses 1-14. through Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it." The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Hi,
2: everybody. Good morning. It's really nice to be with you, even though I wish that we could really be together. I'm feeling a little bit nervous as I talk to you, even though I'm all by myself in my basement. So that's just weird. When Michael asked me to talk today and asked me if I wanted to do the sermon, the first thing I said was, no, (laughs) no way. A sermon, I don't think I could do that. I'm not a scholar and I'm not a theologian by any stretch of the imagination. So we agreed this would be called a not sermon. These are just some reflections I have on our teaching text offered to you with a lot of humility and um, just as your sister in the faith and on the journey with you. So we just heard the teaching text and it's long and complicated and I'm not even going to try to attempt to explain it. But there was one line in it that really jumped out at me. And I wonder if you noticed it too. It seems perfect for our times. Do not let your hearts be troubled. I read this teaching text actually a few months ago and that line jumped out to me then. And little did I know how perfect it would be for this moment that we find ourselves in. Troubled is a great word because it captures so much. A lot of us feel troubled right now, troubled by anxiety, fear, stress, or frustration, disappointment, anger, worry. Some of us are finding it right now just harder to sleep and easier to drink, and we have a sense of uncertainty and unease about the future, our own personal futures, but also the future of the world and of our country. And here in the middle of this long, complicated passage, God says, do not let your hearts be troubled. And that is a good thought. But how do we do it? First of all, let me just say right off the bat that nothing I'm about to say is meant to ignore or gloss over or sugarcoat the real worries and real daily needs that so many people have right now. Um, there are people in this community and in this country and around the world that are suffering and I'm not here to offer some bumper sticker wisdom or to try to paper over those real needs. They deserve our attention and our time and our resources, whatever we have, our ingenuity and above all else they deserve our prayers, our fervent and faithful prayers. But when the scripture says do not let your hearts be troubled I think it's referring or can be referring to a different kind of need. I believe God is as interested in our hearts and our souls and our spirits as he is in our bodies and our bellies and our circumstances. In this day and age, you notice there's a lot of talk about wellness. Well, God was way ahead of Goop on that one. I think he very much is concerned with the status of our souls and our spirits within us. So he was into wellness way ahead of the curve. And I noticed this wording, do not let your hearts be troubled, because it occurred to me that it it suggests we have some choice in the matter that we have some volition. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Sometimes we can feel like circumstances are giving us no choice, but this suggests we do have some choice in the matter and that there's something we can try to affect. So in this short, not sermon, there are three things that I want to focus on that I think could help a troubled heart be less so, perspective, praise, and prayer. And how great is it that they all start with P? Let's talk about perspective. This is something that I often struggle with. I am a naturally gifted worrier. In my family, when I was growing up, that was my reputation, the warrior. In fact, I can remember a time when I was little, it was in the 80s, my parents were watching a news program, 2020, and it was about a story about a little boy who was born with a rare genetic condition that left him blind at birth. And the story was about how he had had a miraculous sight-restoring surgery. And I happened to just be watching it with my parents as a little girl. And I went to bed that night and I didn't sleep one wink because I worried all night that I would become blind and I might need that operation. Yes, the thing that you're born with. That was me. I was a worrier. Sometimes my mom would say, well, Savannah, perhaps there's some unrest overseas you could turn to next if you've run out of things to worry about here at home. Well. Rick Warren, the author, famously says in The Purpose Driven Life, something like, worry is the warning light that God has been displaced at the center of your life. And I think I agree with that in general. Maybe it's a little bit judgmental in tone. The way I like to think about it is, uh, worry is the sign that you could benefit from a change of perspective. For me, worry is a dead giveaway that I'm burdening myself and believing myself to be in charge, that it's resting on me, that it's lying on my shoulders. And sometimes literally all it takes to give me some relief when I'm really anxious or troubled is to try to step outside myself for a moment and examine what is my worry revealing about who I really think is in charge? And what is my worry revealing about who I really think God is? Is my worry betraying a belief in a God that is cruel, or distant, or exacting? If so, then I immediately try to shift and remember the God that I know. I remember my faith by remembering that in my experience, not blind faith, but by experience, God has been present, God has been kind, and God has been faithful. Sometimes. If you bring that into the light, if you really analyze your worries and try to unpack them, it exposes and shows you that you may be placing a lot of burden on your own shoulders that God is so willing to carry. And that you may have a different idea about God. You may think you believe in a kind and compassionate God, but your worries are telling you that in your gut you're believing something else. And it's just a time to re-grasp that to shift your perspective. That shifting of perspective often inevitably leads to the next thing that I wanted to talk about, which is praise, praise, thanks, gratitude. I'm sure you've noticed that exhortation is all over the scriptures. It's shot through the Bible. God tells us again and again to praise him, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my inmost being, all my soul, praise Him, from the Psalms. Or give thanks to the Lord your God, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you, from 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians, excuse me. I know it is irreverent, and um, maybe I shouldn't admit this, but there have been times I wondered to myself what is with all these requests for praise? Why is God always asking for us to praise Him? Like, does He want credit? Is our God somehow cosmically and insatiably needy? Well, of course the answer is no. But this thought was jiggling around in the back of my head for a long, long time, maybe years. When one day I came across a line of scripture that stood out and hit me like a lightning bolt, it changed my perspective. It's buried in a long passage in Isaiah. Just one line and the upshot is, and I'm paraphrasing, God came to bestow on us a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. A garment of praise, a garment. When I thought about that, it hit me. Who wears the garment? I do. When we praise God, yes, He's the object of our affection and He is praised. But who benefits? We do. We are adorned by that praise. We are beautified by that praise. We are enhanced by that praise. The praise does something for us. That is why God is telling us to give thanks, to lift up outside of ourselves and say thank you for the things that we have to thank Him for. When we can bring ourselves to gratitude, we are the recipients of that blessing. wherever and however you find yourself this morning. And I know how difficult these circumstances are. If you want to immediately change the atmosphere, if you wanna feel a change in the air, try praise, gratitude, and thanksgiving, however you can. Another way to look at it is, if you're wondering where God is right now, if you wanna know his address, Try praise. I love the way this old translation of Psalm 22, three puts it. He inhabits the praises of his people. If you're looking for God, that's where you'll find him. And he's asking for praise, not for him, but for you, because he knows that you will be heartened by it and that your soul will be momentarily lightened and slightly less troubled. Finally, I wanted to talk about prayer. You know, I read recently that gratitude is the low-hanging fruit of wellness and that suggests that it's easy, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's not at all. And if you can't muster the gratitude and you can't muster perspective, then perhaps you could try some time in prayer. Now, for me, this might be the most intimidating technique of all. I'm not good at praying at all. In fact, I, I sit there so many times just thinking that my mixed motives and my racing mind and my anxious thoughts are just the very opposite of what prayer is supposed to be. But I believe that prayer is not supposed to be perfect words or exaltations god says in the psalms pour your heart out to him well i say in prayer take him up on it let it all hang out get it off your chest and don't be a goody-goody about it either to me prayer in this context is really just processing your feelings in the presence of god i believe there's nothing we can't say to god i believe he is open to hearing our doubts and our accusations and our cries, our frustrations. I know this because he says so. Pour your hearts out to me. I know this because I've read the Psalms. If you ever wanna really feel better about uh, your own level of drama, just read some Psalms. David always is much more dramatic than you will ever be. And God always said, he he was the one after my own heart. This is the model, God holds up David as the model of someone who cries out to him and shares it all and doesn't try to be something or pretend to be something that he's not. God wants truth in the innermost places. So if your heart is trouble, this is my prayer for you this morning that you would be able to turn up and outward, look outside yourself, look for that perspective, think about who God really is, thank him, say a prayer however you can. And just to keep it real, one night this week, I was tossing and turning with some anxious thoughts and worries. And I tried all three of the things I just told you about. I tried to get perspective. I tried to praise. And I even tried to pray some psalms in the middle of the night as I tossed and turned. And nothing really worked. And I stayed up for hours. I eventually fell asleep. I woke up the next day, the sun came out. It was cloudy, but I know the sun was there. And that's the final thought I wanted to leave you with. Thankfully, God's presence to us does not depend on our thoughts of Him. We do not summon Him. He does not come to us only when called or called in the right way. He is always present to us and most of all present in our suffering and i pray that this morning you would feel that in some way and you would know that god is here with us that he is loving you that he takes great delight in you and will always be by your side let us pray dear lord in whatever way help us to seek you and depend on your promise that when we seek you we will find you when we do so with our whole hearts.
0: Amen. Thank you for listening to the Good Shepherd New York podcast. Good Shepherd New York is an interdenominational church centered around the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. Our church is theologically rooted in the apostles and Nicene creeds, but we welcome people of any or no religious backgrounds to participate in our community. If you would like to support us, please text Good Shepherd all lowercase with no spaces, to 77977. That's Good Shepherd NY to 77977. Or visit our website, GoodShepherdNewYork.com. Thank you for listening.